0: The American Council of the Blind presents ACB Reports, a monthly news magazine featuring topics of interest to people who are blind or have low vision. I'm Mike Duke. This month, learn about the Federal Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, and get a description of the new website of the American Council of the Blind. Welcome to ACB Reports for September 2018. Which deductions still exist after the Federal Tax Cuts and Jobs Act? Tony Stevens, Director of Advocacy for the American Council of the Blind, answered this question and more during the ACB Conference and Convention in St. Louis.
1: Thank you, Mr. Secretary. Thank you, Madam President. Um, You know, what I'd like to do today is exactly what Ray had said. Talk to you some about, from the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, some things that are personal-directed, toward our members, Uh, but I also want to talk about some benefits that came out of that from an investment standpoint that not a lot of people may know about or take advantage of. You know, investment's an important thing. From ACB, hats off to Eric Bridges and to our board of directors for turning our organization around to be a smarter and well-invested organization for a lot of people. So hats off to that, and, and thanks again to Eric for his... You know, in transitioning, it, it's important to think about investment, and to think about finances, some things that we'd always don't dive into. You know, they might give us an egg in 11th or 12th grade to carry around school, but they don't talk about rollover IRAs, or they don't talk about what to withhold and what happens on April 16th when you realize, oh, I owe how much to who? So... A couple of things just real quick, because we are six months into a new year that has had significant reform in the tax area. What I'd like to do is offer a couple of resources for folks so they can go and take advantage of them. So the Tax Cut and Jobs Act did major restructuring in sort of what is essentially the the hierarchy or, or tax brackets, as it's called, into how income is being taxed in the United States. There are changes to that. If you have not checked in with your payroll administrator, whoever handles your payroll, if you are currently employed or earning any income from a job, if you haven't checked in, to make sure those withholdings are accurate, this is a plea for you to please do so because there's nothing more stressful than than finding yourself owing money. Now, one of the big things that was a concern and that we advocated and we fought for and we were successful in protecting throughout last year's debate around tax reform because it was on the table initially to get cut was the blind standard deduction and age standard deduction. And that was something that we were fortunate that did not get cut. A very 30,000-foot glimpse of what took place in the tax reform, and I will be brief with it because it can make your eyes roll back and make you snuggle under that blanket and those slippers you brought. Essentially what has happened is the government through the administration had wanted to streamline the tax process in a lot of ways. There are many cuts that are rhetorically hotbeds in the conversation. This isn't about those. This is about each and every one of you in this room right now, okay? We're not talking about partisanship rhetoric. We're talking about your income and how it's impacted now. What's commonly known as a standard deduction, you know, oftentimes we will itemize things like you can itemize your medical expenses if you have a lot of expenses pertaining to your blindness, pertaining to other disabilities or physical impairments you might have, diabetes or some other condition we would oftentimes itemize those deductions and add them up to a certain amount. And if that exceeded what's called the standard deduction, then that begins to cut into your income so that you don't get taxed on all your money and that it could bring you into a lower tax bracket even. That's sort of the way it works. Now, what has happened now is they have significantly increased what's called the standard deduction, which means if you're someone who's single, you can say that $12,000 a year, you get tax-free the government doesn't look at it. You know, they don't start taxing you until after that 12000 If you're the head of household, it's now 18000 And if you're a married couple, it's now $24,000. So it's a significant increase into that. Now, what happens is it becomes a mathematics game. If you're also blind or over the age of 65, you can add on to that $1,300. They kept the blind standard deduction. Or if you're single, it's $1,600 now that you can add on to that. So it's, if you're married, that's... 1300 plus 24 that's $25,300, right? So that becomes your base. If you're single, it could be $13,600. So within that, you begin to play math, right? And is it going to be worth me itemizing all my things or just use the standard deduction in addition to what we get with the blind deduction? Now, that, in a sense, is going to guide you next year, and it's important to look at those numbers because they can significantly bring down your income in some situations, but it might still be worth itemizing all of your your expenses depending on how much you have to spend for blindness-related or health-related impairments. Now, these are things that I can't teach to you. I am not a tax consultant, all right? I'm just an advocate in Washington, D.C., but there is a program out there that some people may not know about, and it's a very important program that the IRS helps provide, right? The IRS does a good job of providing accessible forms in BRF format, and in large print format, in other formats. But they also provide something called the Volunteer Income Tax Assistant Program, or VITA. Who in the room has ever used VITA? We have a few people. Who in the room has ever paid taxes? Okay, that's a significant large number. If you have difficulty, and I would encourage you to look into VITA this year, to make sure that you're, you're doing the right decisions that need to be made in getting ready for next year's tax year. So I'm going to give you a 1-800 number to call your local IRS or you can go to irs.gov. The 1-800 number is simple. It's 1-800-906-9887. That's 1-800-906-9887. And you can find out more information about local VITA assistance that you can have in the VITA program because we don't want to get caught up and then find out we're not paying enough into our deduction each time, or what happens with our investments. Because there are other things that we, you know, in terms of inheritance, estate taxes, other types of taxes have been repealed. So there are things that we need to know to just be smarter. And again, I'm not a tax consultant, but I hope that you can go find somebody that can help in organizations. There are also volunteer communities. There used to be called the National Community Tax Coalition uh, there are other volunteer groups and communities that can help with all this. So find somebody and make sure that this year you're looking into that. Now, one of the things that came out uh, as well that's new, and where's any ACB students in the room? All right, I just, okay. Those students, they sleep in so late. I'm so jealous. Oh, to be able sleep till lunch. All right, I didn't mean to just out that one by accident. Okay. Anybody lose their vision before the age of 26 in this room? Okay. That's a large number of people. There is a program called the ABLE Act, the Achieving Better Life Experience Act. And what it does is it's in every state you can participate in, but states set up retirement investment accounts as if it's like an IRA type account. They're, They're similar. They're equivalent to what's called a 529 account. These are called 529A accounts, which are, you know, oftentimes we hear about college savings accounts, and it's a college savings account. That's what ABLE is, right? And ABLE's been around for a few years, although not everybody knows about it, and we'll talk a little bit about some advocacy that we can do at the end toward that. But what the ABLE Act does is it allows you to take money. It's not a tax deduction. You can't save your taxes by putting money into it. But in 2018, you can take $15,000 or someone you know if you have any friends with $15,000 looking to give it to somebody. Or beneficiaries, you know, you can be the beneficiary of $15,000. Or families can put money into an ABLE account, similar to how they do a college savings account. Now, that money can be used. It can invest money. You can make money on money, right? It's like, a, it's like an IRA-type account or, a, you know, investing your money. And you can pull that money out without tax penalty. Okay. And what that money does is it can be used for anything re- pertaining to your blindness, all the way to transportation and housing, right? If it's paying someone to come each week and read for you, if it's paying for an IRA subscription, if you want to save up and save up that 15000 after years and get an autonomous vehicle in a few years when they're available in the public, right? The ABLE is a smart sense way with government understanding that, and this is particularly powerful for people on Medicaid and SSI. Too long in this country we have been forced to live in poverty. Too long in this country we have been forced to live by constraints that say you can't have more than $2,000 in the bank. How can you get up on your feet if in Washington, D.C., a modest apartment is $2,000 a month? So to that end, The ABLE account, if you're on Medicaid, can go up to $100,000 in your savings, all right? So it's something to think about in that sense. Now, there are some things with if you pass away, the money has to go, then go back, and it's called Medicaid payback. But if you're on Medicaid, look into the ABLE account. It's a way to put money aside and to pay for the things that are important in your life pertaining to your disability. If it's Uber, if it's paratransit, if it's transportation, if it's housing, a lot of these things that sometimes you know, you might have difficulty getting waivers or other things in your state. Look into the ABLE account. You can find out more about ABLE by going to the ABLE National Resource Center. It's ABLE, A-B-L-E-N-R-C dot A-B-L-E-N-R-C.O-R-G. Now, who's lost their vision 26 or older in this room? All right. There's a few of us and a few of people in the room. Now, Something to know about what's going on right now in Washington, and this is a call to call your member of Congress. There's a thing called the ABLE Age Adjustment Act. When ABLE first came onto the scene, they weren't sure how much it would cost, so they capped it at under 26. What's happening is states are realizing the more people put into an ABLE account, ABLE accounts are actually threatened right now because not enough people are paying into them. Secretaries of states have written to Congress and said, we need to increase the age of, for ABLE because we need more people to put in. It is an investment account that makes money. The more we pay for the lottery ticket, guess what? We get more money back, right? That's because in some ways it's an investment. It makes more money. The more we put into ABLE accounts as investments for states, those states make more money. The accounts are more solvent. They're better for people taking money out. It's, it's just It makes more sense to get more people. So there's currently a push to increase the age of ABLE. And so that's important for the because we know our population, the majority loses their age at 40 or older. So this is an important thing. I encourage you to reach out to your member of Congress and tell them to support the ABLE Age Adjustment Act in Congress to help bring the age of, because it's Democrat and Republican states have said, we need more people in this for it to work. So it's a use it or lose it type of situation. So find out more about ABLE. Think about your investment. The exciting thing, too, I was throwing this out for the students. If you know anybody with a student that has a disability with a 529, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act did allow you to roll over your college investment money from your 529 regular college account into an ABLE. So you could just roll it right over. So if, let's say, you have a college savings account and you're 22 years old, you don't have enough money to put $15,000 aside, but grandma and grandpa and mom and dad were smart years ago, You can push that money into your ABLE, your 529A account. So it's a smart way for young adults especially to get that money up so that someday they could afford an autonomous vehicle or when they move out on their own, uh, if it's paying for, like I said, IRA or other services and things like that, these kind of things that you you can offset the cost for. It's a smart way to invest in the challenges that we oftentimes find make us needing to pay extra to make our lives more equal. So... Email advocacy at acb.org if you have any questions on any of the tax reform or the ABLE Acts. Again, it's one of those things that we don't always think about, but it makes the difference, particularly later in life. Smart spending, smart investing can help us have a smart pathway to more independence and opportunity in our country. Have a wonderful rest of your day. That was Tony Stevens, Director of Advocacy for the American
0: Council of the Blind. You can hear many past installments of ACB reports on the archive page at acbradio.org. From the American Council of the Blind, you're listening to ACB Reports. The website of the American Council of the Blind now has a new look and a new feel. ACB Executive Assistant and Multimedia Specialist Kelly Gask explains the intensive work that went into the development of this new website.
2: So, as you may have heard, acb.org has been launched. Very exciting. It's been a really long road to this point. In 2016, ACB and the Louisville Web Group started working on the mobile device view of our website. ACB's website was not displaying correctly on mobile phones at that point. This is when we began the discussion of creating an entirely new site and formed a team who could provide input on the website redesign. The old website was in desperate need of a refresh. It was quite difficult to find items that should have been obvious on the site, the content was very cluttered, and the website was not very exciting from a visual perspective. The website redesign team members and I wanted to make the site as intuitive as possible. So before even starting to work on the new design of the site, we went through all the pages and restructured the entire navigation system. Now pages are much easier to find. We also added several pages to provide more information that clearly defines ACB as an organization. In August of 2017, I sent out the first review of the new site to a large group of testers comprised of screen reader users, low vision users, and sighted users. This initial review was a big wake-up call. It was then that we all realized that nearly the entire website needed to be rewritten. The Louisville web group was simply porting content over from the old site to the new sites. Our review team discovered that all of the content was old and extremely outdated. There were issues with formatting as well. So many different people have worked on ACB's website throughout the years, and there was never a consistent standard in place for how to create content on the site. Since that date, we have updated all of the copy that you see in the upper navigation on the site and have worked to make all of the formatting consistent. Most of this copy has been written by our web testing group volunteers who gave up their free time to do so. Special thanks to Ron Brooks, chair of the Board of Publications, who wrote a very large portion of what you see on the new site. We met with a group of low vision testers to address concerns about visual aspects of the website in late 2017. They had concerns about how color was being used on the site and had some layout concerns as well. One of the issues this group brought up was the lack of visual interest on the site. The old site barely had any photos or video. The Louisville web group was able to enhance usability of the site for people with low vision based on their feedback. The site is now cleaner and easier to read because of their feedback. It also incorporates photos and video throughout the entire site to increase visual appeal. Future pages will incorporate many more photos and video. Many of the photos and videos used will be taken at convention by our convention photographer, Dennis Becker, PR Committee Chairman Katie Frederick and I work together to create a list of videography projects and photography needs before convention to make sure that we have great usable media for the year. Dennis will be interviewing ACB members for videos we will be producing later in the year for use on our site. So if you happen to be interviewed, you might actually appear on our new website. Website volunteer testers have spent several months reviewing every page in the main navigation of the new site to make sure it is accessible and user-friendly. Each Friday, I would send a page out for review or more, and they would send feedback on the pages that following Tuesday. I would make a list of all the feedback I received, make all of the copy edits myself, and send the rest of the changes to the developers at the Louisville Web Group, along with a targeted completion date. Larry Turnbull, who has been my right hand man through all of this, helping me with the accessibility side of things, would meet with the Louisville Web Group and myself weekly to discuss the feedback and all the changes we needed to make. After the initial review of the site had been completed, we did one final secondary review to ensure that all suggested changes had been made and the website was ready to launch. The web feedback process was quite painstaking and required a lot of time, dedication, and effort from our testers. Testers needed to be extremely thorough with this process to ensure that we found every issue on the page. Our testers spent hours reviewing this site, week after week. I cannot begin to thank them enough. I could not have done it without them all. I've learned so much through this process, and the experience has been really amazing. The testers caught all sorts of issues with the copy, the layout, and in the actual code and structure of the site. They have directly contributed to a better experience for all users on the new website. So I just wanna say to the testers, thank you so much. So this new website is ACB's first true professional representation of who we are to the rest of the world. Team members and ACB staff will consistently be updating the site with new content, photos and video. We have already planned a second phase in the design process that will implement new features for the site. This is a giant step forward in changing the entire look and feel of ACB, which is something we have been focusing on over the past year. As most of you know, ACB now has a new logo, which is displayed on signage throughout the convention center. It also appears on all of our publications, like the ACB Braille Forum and the Annual Report. ACB now has a much cleaner, fresher look, and I'm so happy we've been able to incorporate this new look into our website. Now, just a quick note about social media, because I also uh, handle our social media pages. Last year, we had 3,027 likes on our Facebook page and 1,937 Twitter followers. This year, we have 3,501 likes on our Facebook page, which is a 15% increase, and 2,380 Twitter followers, which is a 22% increase in followers. We are now using Facebook Live to connect with our followers and have made a concerted effort to promote convention this year through our social media pages, We have a regular cadence with our posts to keep our followers in the know. So make sure to like our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter to keep up to date with the happenings at ACB. Thank you so much.
0: That was ACB Executive Assistant and Multimedia Specialist Kelly Gask recorded in St. Louis in July of this year. You can experience this new website anytime. Just use your favorite browser to open acb.org. And if you haven't done so already while you're there, be sure to save the site in your favorites. You've been listening to ACB Reports, heard on radio information services nationwide and throughout the world on acbradio.org. ACB Reports is produced at Radio Reading Service of Mississippi, a service of Mississippi Public Broadcasting.